Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider Bear Insiders Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, Hall of Fame quarterback and radio color analyst for the Golden Bears. Today, we are talking Cal versus UCLA. First off, I hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving, got plenty of turkey and stuffing. I know we did at this house. And so uh, it was quite full. And I had a chance actually to go out and see the Bears practice yesterday. Uh, saw Fernando Mendoza talk to Fernando and Jack Hendrys and a few of the other players. Uh, some of the older offensive linemen because Cal linemen are the best. And so uh, a great job to see the coaches or great time seeing the coaches, seeing them, you know, practice on Thanksgiving. Back in my day, as I remember it, we did not practice on Thanksgiving because the season ended before then. We had 11 games and our 12th game would be the bowl game. But now with a new extended college football season, they are out to 12 games in the regular season. And then a bowl game would add 13 to that. So uh, a little extra practice time in, always good, makes you better. But they were out enjoying it yesterday, and it was a perfect day in Memorial Stadium. I mean, it couldn't have been any prettier in Memorial Stadium. Uh, so good that I came over the top just to go enjoy it all. Anyway, that said, Bears travel down to UCLA, LA, the Rose Bowl, this week for the final time as a Pac-12 school. Sad, for sure. Um and UCLA is part of the reason that happened. Between UCLA and USC, the two LA schools, um, bolting from the Pac-12 and disrupting the whole process, taking away that media market. Um, kind of classic, by the way, that it was LA schools that did that. But just having grown up in Orange County and been down in that area, the uh, trend towards... Uh, looking at yourself first for those schools is very apparent. And so SC especially, way in the front of that list. Narcissistic, I think, is a good argument. Um, but then uh, UCLA as well. Those LA schools always got a lot of love. They were always the pretty girl. Uh, and I never personally lost to either one of those teams. So I love that. And it's something that I'm very proud of in my Cal career, my teammates, I'm sure, as well. This UCLA team, you know, when you think of a Chip Kelly coach team because of what he did up in Oregon and how good they were up there, you always think of it as these juggernaut offenses. But the real truth of any Chip Kelly offense that was great was that they ran the football. I think when Marcus Mariota won the Heisman, the Ducks averaged about 360 yards a game on the ground makes it easy to be a great quarterback when you're running the ball that well. The other truth about any great Chip Kelly offense is that they have a quarterback who evens the numbers. And when I say that, I mean defenses play 11 versus 10 when they're playing passing quarterbacks because that quarterback can't run. And so gap assignments and all those things are not a concern with a quarterback who stays in the pocket. However, once the quarterback gets into the running game, once the quarterback has the ability to scramble and create yards, now you have to go 11 on 11, and it makes it tougher for defenses. So when Chip Kelly's offenses have been great uh, and tough to stop, he's had a quarterback who adds that number. When the quarterback can do both, like Mariota did, it's special. It's, it's a thing to see because now they can you know, you have to pick your poison and no matter what you pick, you're in trouble. But they struggle when they have quarterbacks who can't quite run the system 
uh, who create turnovers or make bonehead plays. For the last several years, Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been that kind of guy for UCLA. Um, he was good enough to win a lot of games. He was 4-1 versus Cal, so pretty good. But he he just wasn't over the top. He wasn't Marcus Mariota, right? who is. Very few are. That's the high watermark, obviously, for Chip Kelly in the offense. That said, um, having a mobile quarterback like that changes the picture. The Bruins this year have struggled offensively at that quarterback position. Dante Moore, who was a true freshman, got the start. Um, and he was the guy that they went with. I think Chip Kelly was seeing kind of the next DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and wanted to do the same thing he did with DTR is give him that start early, let him grow, let him get mastery playing a position. However, he was not great in terms of holding on to the football. He had 10 touchdown passes, but had seven interceptions. And when you're throwing almost as many interceptions as you are touchdown passes, it's a problem at that quarterback position that you have to fight your way out of that hole from time to time. And so the game, a little bit big for him. Remember, he was, if I remember correctly, a big recruiting steal from Oregon. Was supposed to go to Oregon, ended up switching to UCLA, uh, and Chip Kelly gave him a start this year. But it didn't quite pan out for him. So we'll see what his future holds in L.A. But that said, um, Ethan Garbers came in. You guys will remember that name. Chase Garbers, younger brother, transferred to UCLA from Washington, and he has righted the ship a little bit at that quarterback position. He is uh, much more efficient with the football, 66% passer, and I think he has 10 touchdowns or maybe six touchdowns to only three interceptions. So he's not turning the ball over as much, and when you can right the ship, make good decisions, hold on to the football, you are in good shape. In terms of receivers, you guys will remember J. Michael Sturdivant was a Cal guy last year. He is down there. Early in the season, he was balling out. He was playing really well. But he only has 29 catches to this point in the season. So, you know, it is what it is. I would almost guarantee he would have caught more balls as a bear. But uh, 29 catches down in L.A. And then Logan Loya, who is a local product for UCLA, is their number one pass catcher right now with 49 the year. Uh, 562 yards and four touchdowns. Their passing offense, not great. Uh, as I talked about, what Chip Kelly will do is he will run the football. He will have a unique uh, running scheme that is cutting edge, that is all the newfangled stuff that he gets you out of position, that he creates extra gaps. He does all kinds of things with motions and formations that he'll get you in the wrong position and then uses quarterback as that extra stretch guy too. And so defending the run gets very tough, and he finds a way to put defenders into untenable leverage position where no matter what they choose, they're wrong. Uh, a lot of option football in that case. And so he does an excellent job with that. Quarterback reads uh, and using what you do against you, kind of running game jujitsu, if you would. Uh, his two running backs this year, um, TJ Harden, 675 yards rushing, six touchdowns. And Carson Steele, almost 800 yards rushing, six touchdowns. So both those guys seem interchangeable on paper uh, in terms of stats. That That's who has gotten the lion's share of the carries so far this year. And uh, Chip's going to run the football. That's what he will do on offense. In the passing game, 
I was always fascinated, and you'll hear me talk to Coach about this, that uh, I always thought, man, Chip Kelly, offense, going to get in there, it's going to be great. And quite honestly, you watch film, and you're like, eh, you know, not great. What he does is, knowing what he's going to do in the running game, he'll find three or four, maybe five concepts that he knows beat what the coverage is that you're going to play based on the run game that you get. And he will use those to death. He'll call a snag seven, eight, nine times during a game if that's what you are playing in the run game, uh, the coverage that you know loses to that concept. He'll run four verts and four verts with fall-offs. And so he doesn't do a ton of stuff. He, he doesn't get super complicated in his passing game. What he does is he marries it to what he expects to get in terms of coverage from his run game, and then he'll run those to death and make you uh, cover them. I guarantee you he'll run a couple of overs if he gets down in the red zone because he always has that over package in his game. But you kind of know what you're going to get with Chip Kelly, but once again, you have to pick your poison and uh, hope that the quarterback doesn't play incredibly efficiently. They're averaging 27.5 points per game on offense, and so they're not a super high-scoring team in terms of the Pac-12 this year. Uh, they are not as efficient as they could be on offense. However, and this is where it gets scary, the defense is insanely good. They are giving up less than 17 points a game on offense. So if you're scoring 27 and a half, but you're only giving up 17, that's how you end up 7-4. and four. And when you uh, have inconsistent quarterback play, which they have, uh, that's how you get those four losses. And uh, Peter Sermon this week was talking about quarterback play, and he says the quarterback is more important than the head coach during the season. And I would agree with that 100% because he has to play well. He has to be efficient. Uh, he does the things on the field, right? He's the final guy, the final touch on that ball that gets you in the right position, right uh, scheme, right throw, makes the right decision. Like all those things matter. He's where every decision made in the offseason comes out to that one dude during the game. And so quarterback is the most important player, uh, is the most important person in your athletic department during football season, quite honestly. Because when he plays well, NFL statistics bear this out. When his quarterback rating is high, teams win. When quarterback rating efficiency is low, teams don't win. And so that's where UCLA has stumbled, and that's where if they can, Cal's defense needs to affect UCLA's offense. Back to defense here. Uh, they've been very, very good. Number one in the nation at run defense this year, uh, giving up just 2.2 yards per carry in the running game. That is insanely good. Penn State is number two behind them at like 2.3. So that's pretty darn good. Um, they are great at rushing the passer. They are great at getting in the backfield. I have told you on this podcast, I have told you on the radio broadcast that the game of football starts and ends at the line of scrimmage. If you are great at the line of scrimmage, then your quarterback will be great on offense and your defense will be great because that's where you control the ball. You get their quarterback off rhythm. You get their quarterback off his mark. You get their quarterback out of sorts, and he can't be great. You tackle the run, and now you leave that same quarterback exposed. That's great defense. If you are great on your defensive front, and UCLA is as good as any team as I have seen this year at that defensive front, 
then it gives you a chance to play great on defense. And the numbers bear that out. 65, just under 65 yards per game rushing they are giving up. That's insane. They've only given up three rushing touchdowns on the year. Insane. Iowa is the only team that's better. They've only given up one, which is ridiculous. But they are not allowing teams to run the ball. They are not allowing rushing touchdowns. Uh, they are not giving up the big explosive plays in the run game. Now, the pass game is you know, just the opposite side of middle of the country. And so that's where you need to expose them. However, they are also great at getting after the passer. Uh, 93 tackles for loss, 40 sacks. That's a lot. Three point, almost 3.7 a game. Um, they're really, really, really good up front. Huge piece of that personnel. Uh, Liatu Latu, you'll remember the name. He was up at Washington, was a menace to Cal. Transferred out this year. Cal actually was in the discussions um, because his brother was a tight end down here for the Bears. Uh, and that didn't work out for uh, ridiculous reasons, but I don't want to go into that here. Um, but uh, he ended up at UCLA, and he has been wrecking shop at UCLA uh, as an edge guy. He's the number one overall defensive line prospect for the NFL draft next year. And so he has 20 and a half tackles for loss. He has 13 sacks. And you have to know where he is on the field at all times as an offense because he can ruin your day. Really, really good player out there. And uh, you have to find a way. You With a dude like that, you have to either run at him and block him uh, where you make him the point, the double team, or you read him in the run game and expose him and make him the leverage guy, make him make a decision. It's pretty darn good. And so he is hard to do that with. They also have a pair of twins, uh, Gabriel and Grayson Murphy. And these guys, oddly enough, have almost identical statistics as well. Uh, Gabriel, 17 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks in the last two years. And then Grayson, 15 and a half tackles for loss and nine sacks in the last two years. So both good edge guys as well off the outside transfers from North Texas. Uh, good football players, so three really good edge guys there at UCLA. Liatu Latu, cream of the crop, period. Best in the Pac-12, best in the country. Unbelievable talent at that defensive edge position. Uh, they're also very stout inside, so this is an elite, elite, elite defensive front, the best that the Bears have faced this year. Need to figure out a way to manage that. Linebackers, Kane Madrano, 49 tackles, uh, L.A. product. Femi Oladejo, you guys will remember Femi, uh, played linebacker for the Bears last year. Uh, you watch it, you look at him, like if he goes to the NFL Combine and they stand there with their shorts and your shirt off, you're going to be like, oh my God, that's what an NFL athlete looks like. Femi's that kind of dude. Really good guy. Brings a lot of energy, a lot of passion to it. Um, good football player. So have to worry about him. Uh Darius, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, but Masao um, is a line, leading tackler for them. 61 tackles, uh, four sacks, really good football player, gets after it. So that front seven is why UCLA is so good on defense. They're good in the secondary. You know, they got 12 interceptions. But you can be great in the secondary if you're just average when you've got a great front seven. And UCLA is really good in that front seven this year. 
And that's going to be the Bears' challenge. On the offensive side of the ball, Bears have been really good running the ball. You know, they're number two in the Pac-12 to UCLA, who is number one at 202 yards per game. But they're going to need to do enough running so that they keep UCLA honest and keep the box numbers right. But then they're going to have to throw the ball because that is the weakness in this defense. Now, that said, you got to be careful dropping back. Um, there have been some big hits on Fernando this year, obviously, a couple strip sacks. You want to avoid that. You don't want turnovers against these guys because their defense is so good. So you have to be efficient, take advantage of your opportunities, punt when you need to, uh, and then play good defense as well. So expect that. All that said, I talked to Coach Wilcox during the week, and here's our conversation. This week, heading down to L.A., it's Thanksgiving week. This has kind of become traditional over the last several years now in Berkeley. So you've got the game coming up. There's the natural rivalry of the UC school, natural uh, rivalry of the LA school. And then kind of the final year, UCLA being one of the two teams that began the initial disintegration of the Pac-12. All of that coming into a game that means a big deal to you guys in that you have one game left to get to a a you know, bowl game in terms of being bowl eligible at six and six. Talk about all the emotion going into this game and how you manage that. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot to play for, you know, the, the end of the pac 12, the last of the series, we, we really don't talk about that as much. I mean, shoot Mike in three years or five years, who knows what's going to happen. I don't know if any of us truly do, but uh, I think, you know, that'd be for another time. It is sad. I mean, just looking at it from 10,000 feet and being a, West Coast. You and I, you and I both as alums. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's sad, it's disgusting. But I'll leave you. I'll let yeah, you, yeah. For our team right now, I mean, I, that's really not a that's not a topic at all. We're just focused on playing. We have we're gonna have to play really well because UCLA is very good and talented. And then we need to obviously there's a lot to play for, um, you know, to uh, play ourselves into a bowl game get more practice and and enjoy the fruits of a bowl game and go have an opportunity to win the seventh yeah I think this team if you were to tell Chip Kelly okay I'm going to give you a couple things that you can get away with and a couple that you can't I think this team does it for him right they're number one rushing team in the conference so really good 200 yards a game rushing the football and then one of the top defensive teams tied for Oregon with Oregon in terms of best scoring defense in the conference as a coach, that's a great – even if you're not scoring a ton of points, that's a great place to be because defense does win championships. Yeah, they are uh, they run the ball well. They're always going to be good in the run game because they do, you know, chip – whether, you know, it's Ethan playing quarterback or, or DTR or the freshman kid more, I mean, they're going to find ways to run the football and be creative with that. They got some good backs, um, O-line, the whole thing. D-line, defensively, it, it really starts with their front. I mean, they are an elite group up front. And Leatu Latu is a – I mean, I got to imagine he's a first-round draft pick. Like, that guy, we know him well. Uh, I've known him for a long time. He's a gifted player, but he competes really hard. He's big. He's athletic. Uh, you know, he's got 13 sacks already, 21 tackles for a loss. And then they have – three other edge guys, you know, that rotate through. And then they got four guys kind of in the interior with the D tackles. I mean, they are just really good 
up front. And then they got good inside backers and good secondary. They're just a really good unit. Yeah, when you when you have a front like that, and they are intimidating, not intimidating, but they're impressive up front. I mean, I think that's a really good defensive front, one of the best that you've seen this year. Uh, you can play a lot of man coverage behind it too. And so you see a lot of zero and a lot of one out of these guys, even some two-man. Um, talk about how that makes it easier to cover. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the best – traditionally, the best pass defenses, they'll have great DBs, no doubt, but they'll also have – they'll be – elite up front you know i think you look at you know back in i don't know 10 years ago when the legion of boom was so great up yeah. in seattle everybody you know the seahawks were, were known for their defense and the dbs got a ton of credit which they deserve but the thing people probably didn't talk about enough is how great those rushers were the people the quarterback had to throw the ball on time like there was no padding the ball and uh you know get out of the pocket find a guy because in zone defense for example if the quarterback can pat the ball Somebody's going to find some space. It's hard to cover that long. And the same thing in man. If you're in man and they run crossing routes and all that, you know, there's a clock that has to go off. Like it's very hard to cover man to man for, you know, four or five, six seconds. But when the ball comes out fast and it's hard for the quarterbacks under duress, uh, you know, you have a much better chance of playing great pass defense. Yeah, and at me as a quarterback, if I can identify zone and the zone, like if I know what you're playing, I know where the open hole is going to be. So I can really predetermine my throw based on what you're giving me. If I've got man, then I just pick a matchup. And if you don't get to me, I'm going to win that a lot. But when you have dudes like Latu coming off the edge who can win, that's a big difference maker. Talk about defending Chip Kelly in the run game because he is a guy who really revolutionized the run game. His run stuff has always been really cutting edge. His passing game is, nah, you know, as a quarterback, I watch the passing film, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But his but his run game is always very good. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's got a uh, – everywhere everywhere he's been, as long as he's been doing it, they've ran the ball so well. And, uh, you know, I you probably go back and look at uh, single wing and option, some of the uh, – option and veer stuff like there's just different themes that you see and and he'll uh he'll find formations that he likes and some schemes that he likes versus what fronts you play and and uh there'll be some deceptives in there with you know slider motion or maybe get a couple guys in the backfield or cover up the tight end to add a body and then yeah there's just a he, very creative it's not just line up in two by two and run inside zone it might be inside zone but it's going to look eight different ways, you know, so he's a really good coach. Um, it's challenging going against them because you know that there's going to be some in-game, okay, here's the formation, and they'll be packaged. You know, you're going to see this unbalanced into the boundary, and you might have four or five things off of it. And so uh, it's part of the challenge of going against uh, going against him. Yeah, and as soon as he finds a formation that gives him the leverage that he wants, he'll kill you with it. And, and he had a quarterback in DTR that could do it really, really well. Now he's got a couple athletic quarterbacks as well. Uh, just lastly, talk about their their inconsistency, let's call it, at quarterback uh, and how that's affected in this year. Well, they played multiple guys. As you know, they've had some injuries as well. Um, and they've moved the ball. Uh, and you saw last week what they can do. And so uh, I don't know if, you know, some of those games, probably not indicative. It's a little bit how this thing goes sometimes where – um, you know, a, a play here or a play there or a penalty here or a penalty there and tip ball uh, just really changes 
the course of a game. And I would imagine if you look back at their games on offense and, you know, you could, it's just sometimes how these things go and the unknowns and the, the, the variables and the kind of random plays that come up might impact the, uh, the score, which they do. But, uh, last week they go put up 38 or whatever it was and make it look really easy. So we know that they're really capable and they got talent. Yeah, and played good defense to boot against a very good offensive team. So finally, injuries. Obviously, Cade Olave uh, had an issue in this past game. Uh, is he back? Where do you guys stand right now? We think he's going to be. Uh, it's kind of day-to-day, but uh, he was out there today, and we're hopeful that he'll be cleared for the game. I look forward to this L.A. game this weekend. I want to see the team come out and play. It would be great to earn that final victory, right, to qualify for that bowl eligibility. Absolutely. So that is head coach Justin Wilcox. As you can see, the Bears have their hands cut out for them. Last game against an L.A. team as part of the Pac-12 this season. One of the teams that was responsible for the disintegration of the Pac-12, quite honestly. And so you should go down there with a chip on their shoulder. I know coach said they don't think about it much. They don't talk about it much. But they, these guys know. They're Cal guys. They're smart. They understand it. And so there's all that chip on your shoulder and you have to play right at that anxiety performance curve where you get the top of it. You guys have heard me talk to coach about mindset all year long. I never lost to these guys. I went down there. I, we, our team in 1990 was the first team to beat UCLA in 19 years. And then we went down in 91 to their place and beat them as well. I've been told there's actually a flashback. Uh, Hal Ramey was telling me that the flashback this week is on that game. So listen to it. should be good on the radio. Anyway. Um, but you have to play right at that performance anxiety curve. And that's what's going to have to happen. Fernando got his first big game win last week. That's a big notch under his belt. And now he can beat an L.A. team this week. And so that would also be a big notch. It'd be huge for this Cal team as well. does help in recruiting. You're down there where you spend a lot of time recruiting. And I think that could be a huge uh, boon for the Bears. Get that sixth win. Get bowl eligibility. You know, get more practices in, which helps you get better, period. And then the transfer portal opens up December 4th for FCS and FBS guys, I think. Or maybe FCS opened last week and FBS this week. But, you know, there's some people out there. So get that big win against UCLA. See what happens in the transfer portal. That said, let me once again iterate to you guys. If you have not contributed to NIL, if you are interested in helping the Bears get better right now, quickly... Contributing to NIL is the way to do that. Helping the Bears find a way to get players in here. Recruiting is great. Personalities are awesome. But it is a day and age in college football where the dollar bill speaks more than individual relationships. Yes, relationships count. And these coaches can create relationships with these guys. But if you get an NIL offer, then that's going to trump everything for these players. And so the number one way that you as a fan or you as a donor can help this football team right now is through NIL dollars. Uh, and if so, if you haven't made a contribution and you want to make that now, because December 4th is when that opens up. Uh, it is, it's a big necessity for the bears. If they want to improve, if they want to become relevant, we've talked about this before and I will have a podcast coming up about everything that's going on uh, in Cal football with the situation that they're in moving forward, best steps, all of that. Uh, that'll be coming up after the season. 
But right now, the Bears are where they are. They can get a win in LA. If they can get the NIL money put together, if uh, donors can help on the NIL front, then they can start to get recruits December 4th. That's when the portal opens. And so they can start working on that right away, uh, retaining the guys that they need to retain, and then getting guys that can help the overall picture, which would be huge. For Bear Insider and Ultimate Insider, I am Mike Pulaski. Once again, thank you guys uh, for listening all year long. We will have some post-game stuff after this game as well, some off-season stuff, uh, and we will be taken care of during the whole off-season. We'll have more podcasts. But final season preview for UCLA Bruins as the Bears head down to L.A. As always, go Bears. (laughs) Go Bears.